Yeah. 
throughout eternity. But hear me, unless the Lord returns first, all of us, all of us are going to face that comma. All of us are going to face death. And I wonder today, friend, I'm just going to ask you right off, are you prepared for death? Are you ready for death? Billy Graham once said, it is strange that men will prepare for everything except death. We prepare for education. We prepare for business. We prepare for our careers. We prepare for marriage. We prepare for old age. We prepare for everything except the moment we are to die. Now, in all honesty, most folks that I've talked to, and maybe you would say the same, they don't like to talk about this subject. They don't like to talk about death. A really honest tombstone uh, bears this inscription. I expected this. But not just yet. Can you imagine seeing that out in the cemetery? I expected this, but not just yet. We know death is coming. Death is coming. And uh, we don't know when it's coming. But sad to say, many fail to prepare for death. Now, it would be one thing to face death if it were just a period. If we lived our life and what we did here... Didn't matter for eternity. We live our life. Period. Done. But we said it's what? It's not a period. It's comma. Something comes after this. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews 9.27. And as it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. Death. But after this, it's not a period. It's a comma. There's something after this. There's more. There's eternity. And I want you to know, friend, you can be ready for death today. And likewise, you can be ready to face eternity. You know, most folks know the story of the Titanic. 
the sinking of that great ship, that ship that even God himself could not sink. But not as many people know the story of the RMS Empress of Ireland. As I learned the story this past week, in the early morning of May 29, 1914, the RMS Empress of Ireland sunk after it was struck amidships by the Norwegian Kohler, the SS Storstad. The accident claimed 1,012 lives, but 167 of those were Salvation Army officers and workers. Many of the survivors told how these Salvation Army officers and soldiers, seeing that there were not enough life belts, took off their own and strapped them onto others, saying these words, and I quote, I know Jesus, so I can die better than you can, end quote. I know Jesus, so I can die better than you can. You see, beloved, knowing Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Knowing Jesus helps you prepare for death and also for eternity. You see, one who knows the Lord, one who knows the Lord Jesus, faces death differently than one who does not know Him. And we're going to see that clearly laid out this morning in our study of our man Abraham. We're coming this morning to the very last message in our series on Abraham called A Faith That Follows. For those keeping count, this is the twelfth and final message. And in case you've missed anything, maybe you've come for the very first time today, I don't want you to feel left out. I'm going to bring you up to speed, bring you up to where we are in the life of Abraham. Would you go to Hebrews chapter 11, please? Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be in Hebrews 11, then we'll be in Genesis 23 and Genesis 25. But first of all, a summary of where we are, what we've studied, what we've learned about Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll begin reading at verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse number 8. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven eight, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Drop down to verse 17, please. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now that brings you up to where we are in our study of Abraham. That's what we've covered so far. Now put a marker there. We're going to come back there. I don't want you to lose it. But go back to Genesis chapter 23. Very first book of the Bible, Genesis 23. As you're finding that, I want to tell you it's time in the story of Abraham for Sarah, Abraham's beloved wife, to die. Now, in all honesty, we don't know how long Abraham and Sarah were married, how long they were husband and wife. 
But as I was studying this past week and looking at their life and looking at the ages of where they died and how old he was and whatnot, it's very likely that they could have celebrated their 100th wedding anniversary. Can you imagine what it would be like to celebrate 100 years? We recently celebrated 15 years of marriage back in December. And uh, I got to thinking about it. You know, I went and looked up what you give as gifts. You know, there's a list of what you give. And so I went and looked up 15 years. And uh, there's a traditional gift and there's a modern gift. And uh, the traditional gift for 15 years is crystal. And the modern gift is watches. My wife doesn't like wearing a watch and she doesn't like crystal. So I guess I gave her a computer. That worked out pretty good. That's what she needed. But I, I thought, well, is there a hundredth gift? And I found a list that I to listed the hundredth gift. There were no modern gifts for the hundred <laughs> years. But the traditional gift is a ten carat diamond. You ought to get a ten carat diamond if you married a hundred years. And now you know why all the men die first. They know, well, I'm losing my microphone up here. They know that they lived and, and married a hundred. They got to buy a 10 carat diamond. So anyway, but imagine a hundred years of marriage, a hundred years as husband and wife. Imagine all that they shared together. It was amazing. Now, I want you to look at the passage with me, would you? In Genesis 23, Genesis 23, and we'll begin reading there at verse one, Genesis 23. Verse 1, why this is fighting with me today. All right, Genesis 23. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Remember, she's 127. They probably got married very young in those days, uh, much younger than many today. And the time comes for her death. And it says in verse 3, Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Now, beloved, a Christian views death differently than a lost person does. In fact, our whole perspective on death is different. Dr. Howard Hendricks once said this. Sometimes we think we're in the land of living on the way to the land of the dying. When in fact, we're in the land of the dying on the way to the land of the living. You see, for a Christian, things are different. Uh, It's different for a Christian. Uh, We're in the land of dying and we're going to the land of the living. And we got to keep that in mind. Death is just a comma and then glory. Paul said it this way. If you want to write this reference down, 2 Peter 5, 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, Abraham knew that Sarah, his wife, she's dead, but now she's with the Lord. But there's still a void in his life. And I want you to notice, beloved, how he responded to her death. And it's very interesting. If you think that Abraham was not a human like we are, you're going to see today just how human he is. You're going to see he responded in the same way we respond. Notice, first of all, he mourned for Sarah. He mourned for her. Look at verse 2. Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. He did what we do. He cried his eyes out. He loved Sarah. And now she's dead. He missed her. He loved her. So listen, being a Christian doesn't do away with your emotions. 
When you become a Christian, it doesn't say, oh, you don't weep, you don't cry, you don't laugh. That is not the case. You probably heard someone say at a funeral or somebody's passing, somebody give this advice. They don't cry. That's horrible advice. Horrible advice. In fact, we realize here that Abraham wasn't too much of a man to cry. He mourned. He weeped. Did you know what else? The Lord Jesus wept. Go back and read to John chapter 11, verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. John eleven thirty two to 36. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And John eleven thirty five 35 says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. He wept. He knows what it is to lose a friend. Of course, he was getting ready to raise him again and bring him back to life. But he wept. You see, it's proper. It's right to cry at the death of a loved one. It's proper. It's right to mourn that loss. It's proper. But for the believer, listen, there's a big difference. Write this reference down. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. Listen, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Listen, when a loved one dies in the Lord, when a saved person dies, we sorrow. They're gone. But we do not sorrow as others who have no hope. Why? Because we know where our loved one is. Our loved one is with the Lord Jesus. They're with the Lord. And as believers, if we know the Lord and they knew the Lord, we're going to be reunited again. And so we find that when death comes to Abraham's household, when he loses his spouse, first of all, he mourns for her. Secondly, I want you to notice, he arranged for her burial. He arranged for her burial. Look back again at the passage, verse 3 and 4. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead... And spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Let me just stop for a moment. Do you see Abraham's perspective? Abraham owned it all. God had given it to him. Now, he hadn't claimed it all yet, had he? And still has, and he will one day. But he's in the, he's, he, he, it all belongs to him. He says, give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. We won't take the details to go into the negotiations. You want to see some interesting negotiations? You can read that later. But suffice it to say, Abraham handled the body of his beloved wife with dignity, with honor, and with respect. In fact, it says in verse 19, he secures the burial place. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And when we lose a loved one, we handle their body with care and dignity and respect. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be outrageously expensive. But we do it to honor and respect and we do it with dignity. And we honor that one. And that's what Abraham did. See how practical this is. See how he's just like we are. He loses his spouse. And first of all, he's weeping, he's mourning. Then you have to go from that phase quickly. That's what's so difficult, isn't it? Because I deal with families over and over again. And I get to enjoy some of the the, the highest moments in their life. as birth of babies and all. And I get to be there when a loved one passes. And if they haven't already arranged it. Here it is in this 
flurry of, of emotion and this flurry of losing a loved one. And all of a sudden, we're there saying, what about this? What about that? What about this? What do you want here? What do you want there? Where are you going to bury? If that isn't taken care of beforehand, all these decisions need to be made. And we find that Abraham here, he arranges for a burial. But then there's a very important point here I want you to catch. And that is this. His wife is dead. He's mourning for her. He arranges for a burial. But I want you to notice this especially. Number three, he continued life. He continued life. Beloved, listen. Your life doesn't end when your loved one's life ends. God still has plans for you. He's not done with you here. If you're, if you're here, He has something for you. And we see this clearly illustrated in the life of Abraham. If you'll turn over a page, if you need to, to Genesis 25, we learn that he continued life. Now remember, Abraham's an old man. But God has graced him. And they've had a son in old age, Isaac. But... Apparently that blessing kept on going. Look at Genesis 25. Abraham again took a wife. And her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan begot Sheba and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were so forth and so on. And so we see that uh, he continued life. Uh, as much as he missed his beloved Sarah... Maybe together for a hundred years. Abraham didn't stop life. In fact, he was fruitful. And he was blessed as, as God promised. And so we see how he handled the, the death of his loved one. But now we fast forward in the story. And we see how he prepares for his own death. His own death. Let me say before we jump into this passage that Abraham made his most important preparation for death long before this point. He placed his faith in the Lord as Savior. In fact, Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 says this, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. You say, preacher, how are people in the Old Testament saved? How is Abraham saved the same way we're saved? By faith. By faith, by believing. Genesis 15, 6. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you say through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes, they look forward to the cross. We look back at the cross. But it all was settled at the cross of the Lord Jesus. Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And He made this most important preparation long before this moment. As he placed his faith in the Lord. I want you to hear this. You're not ready to die until you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're not ready to die. In fact, let me say this. You're not even ready to live until you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You can't live the life that God wants you to live if that's not settled. If that's not sure. I'm ready to die today. So preachers, with things you want to do in your life, sure. Some things you want to see, absolutely. Some things you want to accomplish for the Lord? Yes. But if He should call right now, I know where I would be because I placed my faith not in anything I've done, but in what He did. And what I placed my faith in. And I know to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And Abraham settled that. And beloved, you need to settle that today. That you're ready to die. You're ready to face eternity. Have you repented of your sin? 
He said, I don't want my sin anymore. I want the Lord Jesus. For God so loved the world. Let's bring it closer. God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that if you would believe in Him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. And it can be yours for the asking today. It can be yours today. Abraham had that settled. By faith, Hebrews 11 says. Sarah had it settled. It says by faith, there in that passage we read. It's all by grace through faith. So I'm trying to live a good life. Doesn't matter. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. It's only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work as He took your sin upon Himself on that cross. If you don't know Him today, I, I, I encourage you, I exhort you to trust Him and Him alone. That's how you prepare ultimately for death. Now, Abraham shows us some very practical things as well in his preparations to leave this place. Because why? Because we know that death is not a period, it's a comma. And of course, for those who are left behind, they're left behind. And I want you to see what he did. And now he prepared for his own death. Look at Genesis chapter 25 again. Notice verses 5 and 6. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. I want to show you three things here that Abraham did that you and I ought to do to prepare. Number one, he set his house in order. He set his house in order. Now, Isaac is the promised heir. The one that God said he's going to be the one that's going to carry forth the covenant. He alone was the one, not Ishmael, not any other children, Isaac. And so it says in verse 5 that Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. He was his heir. And it's important that you set your house in order, just as Abraham set his house in order. Now today, what does that mean? It may mean something as simple as executing a current will. Why do we execute a will? That sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? It's because of death, right? We execute a will, but you execute a will. You, you prepare. If you have children who are young, minor children, you prepare for their well-being. So when you die, it's not left up to the state to decide who your children are going to go to. Uh, you might prepare other ways, practical ways. You set your house in order. You say, I don't want to think about that. Well, beloved, that's not a wise thing to say. These are practical things we ought to do. It's not fun. It's not fun. Go down to a lawyer's office. You know how much lawyers charge? That's not fun. But it's practical. He set his house in order. Number two, well, I'm, I'm growing wires up here now. <laughs> this thing's fighting today. Number two, he blessed his children. He blessed his children. Verse five. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, and he sent them away. Now, I want you to notice what it says in the uh, verse 6. Notice this phrase. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them away. While he was still living, he blessed his children. He gave gifts to those and sent them away. He gave everything to Isaac while he was still living. Listen, bless your children, bless your grandchildren while you're still living. 
The, the best blessing you give them is teach them about the Lord. Show them where the Lord's blessed you and how the Lord, what the Lord's taught you. Bless them. Bless them in practical ways if you desire. Bless them while you're still living. And that's a great reminder for all of our relationships, isn't it? Listen, send the flowers not to the funeral. Send them to them now so they can enjoy them. Bless them now. Tell them you love them now. Give them gifts now. Hug them now. Kiss them now. Why? Because life is short. It's a vapor. And He blesses His children. And I would encourage you to do the same. And there's a third thing here. He sets His house in order. He blesses His children. And third, He walked with the Lord until His final breath. He walked with the Lord until His final breath. Look at verse 7 and 8. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Now, beloved, I want you to think for a moment. As he served the Lord, as he walked with the Lord to his final breath, he began his journey of faith at the age of 75. And he died at what age? 175. He walked with the Lord for a hundred years. Abraham's the friend of God. His life counted for God's glory. You see, Abraham didn't have to fear death. Why? Because he was simply going home. See, that's the key to what we read about in Hebrews 11. Go back to Hebrews 11 and ask you to mark it. I want to show you the key there to Abraham's life and Abraham's journey of faith. I want you to find Hebrews eleven thirteen. It says in Hebrews eleven thirteen, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country for which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. You say, look here. Abraham realized his journey here upon the earth, that was not home. He had a heavenly home. He had a home prepared for him by the Lord. And death for Abraham was just going home. And listen, child of God, Christian. Death is simply going home. That's where our home is. Going to our Father. I want you to realize something. Abraham is more alive now than he ever was. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I know what the Lord Jesus said about Abraham. Jot these references down. Interesting to read about. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus said, and I say to you that many will come from east and west to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He said in Matthew 22, verses 31 and 32, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham's more alive today than he ever was. Your loved one that knew the Lord Jesus that died, they're more alive today than they ever were here. They're living 
in the light of the glory of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Remember what the psalmist said? Psalm 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. It's precious. We've got to think differently about death. Believe it, we're not afraid of death. Death is simply going home. Yes, we want to live here for God's glory. Yes, we want to enjoy His blessings. But when that time comes, it's just a comma. And then glory. The story is an old story. You may have heard it, but it's worth repeating. A woman on her deathbed calls the young preacher by her side to begin giving the details of her funeral service. She's a dying lady. She knows it. Preacher, she said, yes, ma'am. Preacher, I want you to have the people sing Amazing Grace at my funeral. Yes, ma'am. The preacher writes in his little leather book, Amazing Grace. She says, and I want to wear my silk dress and my straw bonnet. Silk dress and straw bonnet. Yes, ma'am, I've, I've got it. I've got it written down here. And, and preacher, one more thing. I want you to place a fork in my hand. The preacher's there. This lady's dying. He stared hard at her and said, Now ma'am, I can understand the special hymn. And I can understand the dress and bonnet. But why do you want a fork in your hand? She said, Preacher, you know when we have church suppers? She said, And when we finish the meal, we're told to throw away our paper plates. And be sure to hang on to your forks because the best is yet to come. She said, well, preacher, I want a fork in my hand because I want everyone to know that the best is yet to come. Jesus said it this way. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Hallelujah! And receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Glory to God! The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Are you ready? For death. Are you ready for eternity? You can be today. I thank God today that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to know with certainty that our sin is forgiven. That you're our God, Christ is our Savior, and our home is in heaven. Father, I am burdened about those who may be listening to me right now who do not have that certainty. They're not ready to even live, much less die, because they don't know the Lord Jesus. I pray right now, your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart, convict them of their sin, 
And Lord, help them to place their faith in Jesus Christ alone. Father, I thank you for the surety that those loved ones that have already gone on, that knew you and loved you, they're with you. They're more alive now than ever. And I thank you, Lord, for the promise that to be absent from this body is to be present with you. I thank you, Lord, for Jesus' promises that he's preparing a place for us and he's coming in for us. And we're going to be together forever. What a joy that is. Father, help us to walk with this perspective. To realize this is not it. <laughs> Lord, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And I thank you, Lord, today that death is simply a comma and then glory for those of us who know you. Oh, but God, it's a terror to those who don't. So I pray in this final moments together as we sing a hymn of invitation. If anyone here today does not know you, this will be the day, this will be the hour where they go from death to life in the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. For many today, this is an encouraging message, I hope. But for others, it is a terrifying message. The thought of death. But it doesn't have to be. You can know the Lord Jesus today. Here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to sing 307 just as I am. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus and you want to settle that today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You just step out from where you are. I'll be standing right down front. You come and say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus. I want to be ready for death and ready for eternity. I'll take you and place you with someone who knows Jesus, loves Jesus, loves you. They'll take a Bible and share Christ and lead you right to Him. That's all we're going to do. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know Him today, today is your day. Today's the day of salvation. You can leave here ready no matter what happens to know that if you leave this world, you close your eyes here in death, you open them up in glory. That's the invitation, plain and simple. Come to Christ today. 307, ladies, as you begin to play, we'll begin to sing. You come, don't hesitate, don't wait. Come today, I will be ready. I will be ready for eternity. Ready for death. Will you stand as we sing 307? Thank you.